What's up, everyone? If you were wondering how I've done this podcast, it's based off the Anchor. All you have to do is unload the Anchor app. And even better, guys, it's free. You could also possibly be getting paid to do this. I mean, all you got to do is just download the app. Speak your mind. If you ever dreamed of making a podcast or just anything, let your voice be heard. You can also be known on Spotify, Apple, or anything download. Just go on the Anchor app. What's up, everyone? Thank y'all for joining me with Buzzing with Marlo. I am Warren Marlo. It is Friday, guys. December. Next Friday is Christmas, y'all. Next Friday is the holiday we always (laughs) are waiting for. So, I hope everyone's had a good week, a good day, and I hope everyone has a great Friday. So, I just want to talk about a little bit about myself today. Uh, we just got some really awesome news. Buzzing with Marlo has been on at least nine platforms now. We have now scored the Mig Daddy. Yes, Buzzing with Marlo is now officially on iHeartRadio. So, yes, we are on the Mac Daddy. So that means we got to keep it going and keep it going strong and people loving what we're doing. So let's get it rolling. So today I will be joined with Alex Kane. Alex Kane is an independent wrestler outside of Alabama. Uh, Alex Kane is called the Suplex Assassin. And a little bit about me and Alex. Uh, We met each other, believe it or not, guys, on my very last match. Uh, Alex Kane and myself were thrown in a gauntlet for a junior, a, a super junior heavyweight championship that was going on with all Allegiance Wrestling. No, I think I messed it up. Uh, AIWA. Um, it was a great match, great time. Uh, I had, it was awesome chat just to talk to him. So today we are going to talk about what started the wrestling career, what got him in professional wrestling, how did he hear of wrestling, and craziest thing, guys, Alex was a huge collegiate wrestler, Um, he'll tell you that he was okay, but read the stats and stuff for this man, he was was real deal, Um, Alex, we're going to also talk about what got him to go back into and what got him to pursue professional wrestling? How did he get in? And most importantly, how was he able to transition to the professional wrestling standpoint to from collegiate wrestling? Because Alex will be talking about also how he got burned out from just doing collegiate wrestling. And um, 
how he got back into going back into professional wrestling and how he found a way to get in, what school he was. Alex Kane was trained by A.R. Fox. That name has said it all, y'all. That guy is a wrestling guru. And um, they he is currently outside of WWA, I think, W4A, something like that. Um, they are great, great wrestling school outside of Alabama. Obviously, I didn't get trained there because... I live in Jacksonville, Florida, and traveling for our wrestling schools are a hassle. I'm not even going to lie to you, but that is the number one thing we tell people all the time. If you want to find a way to get into professional wrestling, is find you a good training school. Uh, A.R. Fox's training school in Alabama is one of the best ones to go to. Uh, if you don't know who A.R. Fox is, do your research, type him up. His name will pop up first thing. He is known for Evolve Wrestling. Evolve is now kind of currently affiliated with the WWE. Uh, we're going to talk about some of the awesome experiences that he has had wrestling. Um, some of the guys that he has wrestled. Um, Alex Kane just currently wrestled uh, Brian Pillman Jr. If y'all don't know who that is, that is Flying Brian Pillman. His son, uh, if you don't know who that is, still, I know I can tell you this, the Hollywood Blondes, his tag team partner was Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, what, we, what, what we remember him as, but at that time, his name was Stunning Steve, so yeah, that's how big of a deal that was for him, we were going to talk about that, and just lastly, what does the future hold for Alex Kane? With all COVID and everything, how is his wrestling career, has it been affected or has it been a, a great experience, obviously a great chapter to get prepared for the future. So when we come back, we will be joined with Alex Kane. All right. I know people go to gyms day in and day out trying to find a way to get in shape. They are also told by personal trainers to lose weight as they be on the treadmill. You do that for so much and they don't get the results. If you are the person that I am describing, go check out Vector Fit. I mean, is check out Thomas Hatton. He is a trained personal trainer. He is a nutritionist. He writes down your workout plans. He gets you the result that you are needing. And even better, guys, I know we have that hard word that's the word dieting. And let me tell you, he brings a whole different level to that word. It is not just you not eat cake, you don't eat anything. No, he brings out what you really need for your body. He puts a training program specifically for your body. So check out Vector Fit at Facebook at Vector Fit. You can also check him out on Instagram at Vector Fit. Um, and also, if you need to, if you're not really fond of social media, you can also call him at 904-548-8479. That is 904-548-8479. That is Vector Fit in Yulee, Florida area. Thomas Hatton, y'all. So, if y'all want to change your body, hit him up. I'm doing with Alex King. How you doing, my friend? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good, I Glad we are not having no more issues. <laughs> yeah. It might have been the headphones that I had. Yeah. How are you doing, man? It's been a while since I've been. Let me tell you, man. You definitely 
turning some heads, buddy. You definitely traveling pretty well, and I'm glad to see even with all this COVID mess, and I know it was a real big bummer to a lot of y'all. I'm glad to see y'all are up and running, and, and it doesn't look like y'all were rusty or anything. <laughs> Man, I, I mean, COVID's been terrible, but I feel like it's probably the best thing that could have happened yeah. for me. Um, for because, anyone, honestly. Uh, I mean, I mean, I think for anyone, just because I know – in our minds, we, we've been built so much to be like, you got to keep going, you got to keep going, you got to keep going. But you yeah. also got to realize, man, get that body to heal, and it makes it even so much better when you get back. If Most I would have known that, maybe I would have been there a lot longer than I am now. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Like, not not having to – like, have when, like, the shutdown and all the quarantine stuff happened, and like being able to mm-hmm. take that time to rest and not have to worry like when we couldn't go to the gym, couldn't go train or anything like that, like you had to let your body rest. And mm-hmm. I was able to actually um like while I was out of the gym, I was able to actually actually get into better shape. Um so when yeah. I came back to wrestling, like I I move I was moving better, I felt better, I felt stronger. Um and like there was like no like there was nothing impeding like any progress or or, or just from me getting out there and doing what it is that I need, getting the job done. Um, yeah. But yeah, like I said, like this COVID thing has been it's been I guess bittersweet in a way. Um, but like for me, it's been great because like it kind of it kind of like gave me like an opening to like really get my name out there. And that's what, that's what pro South was for me. And I, in Piedmont, Alabama, it was my way of like, of like some, somebody who needed to get their eyes on me to get their eyes on me. And that was Scott Hensley, um, -hmm. with, uh, with FTI. Um, yeah. And with him being able to see me, um, on Pro South, that led to me be, uh, being selected for the Futures Showcase, which was another amazing opportunity for me to have. And I actually got to like put the spotlight on myself and show a lot of people that may not have, may, maybe would have never heard of me or, um, or didn't know who I was. Now my name is in their mouth. Now they know who I am. And they know that I'm here to stay and I'm here to get to the top. Oh, yeah. I mean, I remember the last time me and you talked, you were like, you mainly only run in one area because you were just like, man, I just I just want to just stay in one area or whatever. And just obviously it's a it's a hassle. Like people don't realize like traveling and wrestling is not. It is fun, but it's also a stress. A stress. Oh, like it can be a real big stress to like. It'll make you want to pull your hair out sometimes. But uh, I mean, I'm glad to see y'all doing so well. So you know, we gotta have to start off right after this way, Alex. So tell me, so what got you to want to become a professional wrestler? What got me to want to become a professional wrestler? Um, the initial moment was I was playing Donkey Kong. And my brother's friend came up to me and he had, I believe it was SmackDown, Just Bring It. 
And mm-hmm. I had never heard of, I didn't mean, I mean, like I've seen like bits here and there um, of professional wrestling, um, but like I didn't really, really know what it was. And uh, mm-hmm. he gave me the game and I, and I played it like every day since then. And just like these guys, like seeing these guys, I mean, and the graphics back then were terrible, but at the time they looked great because you had never, you haven't seen anything better. So you see these dudes that look like superheroes or whatever, doing all these cool moves. They got their own music. They got pyro, all that stuff. And I was just like, this is what I want to do. Like, like if that, if I can figure out how to do this, this is what I want to do. Um, and then I got another i got a i got stone cold stone cold demolition which was a vhs tape it was uh i can't remember what the period was for it but it was like it was it pretty much documented stone cold's uh uh whole rivalry with kane i believe um and taker i believe um and like just watching that, I'm like, dude. Like I watched it every single day. I'm like, I want to be Stone Cold Steve Austin so bad, <laughs> man. Um, and I think, yeah. So, like years go on, I I get older, um, and I wanted to, I wanted to go to wrestling school, but I didn't know like how to do it. And I didn't also I didn't have the money to do it. Um, so I kind of had to put that on hold. Um, and I my parents like go to college, go to college, go to college. So I'm like, okay, I'll go to college. She's go to college. Uh, didn't want to be there. Um, I had the only reason why I went was because I was a decent amateur wrestler. Um, people some people will say I was better, but I think I was decent. Uh, I was a decent amateur wrestler. So I'm like, you know what? I'll find a college to go to that has a collegiate wrestling team and I'll try to walk on, um, and if that happens, then I'll stay in college. You know what happened? I did their little uh, freestyle Greco camp at Life University, and they signed me. And I was like, okay, well, I'm here now. Um, <laughs> and I did that for like a year, a year or two, and I was like, I, okay, I can't do this anymore. Or whatever. This, I'm, I'm burnt out on wrestling. Mm-hmm. Um, so with me being burned on wrestling, I dropped out of college, um, worked for a little bit, and then I got back. I went back to college, and then I ended up dropping out again. But the day I dropped out the second time was I was looking on Instagram, and I found Austin Theory's uh, Instagram, and I found some wrestling videos of his. And he was on the WWA 4, and I'm like, well, this dude looks like a freaking superstar. Um, what's the WWA 4? Yeah. So after the the... The, the the day I left that class, I drove down the WWA four. I was like, I'm going to do this. Um, and I got to talking with Fox and Fox actually let me get in the ring. The first day I was there, I guess he saw something. Um, and like from the moment I stepped through those roads, I'm like, yep, this is happening. I'm doing this. Nothing's going to stop me from doing this. And I'm going to be the best at this. And the rest uh-huh. is history. Well, up to now. Hey, man. Hey, at least you got to experience the collegiate wrestling something. Because, I mean, most of us, you know most of us guys in the back, like, literally maybe came out of high school doing the wrestling thing. Maybe not 
going so far in the collegiate area. So that's even crazier to say that you were burnt out from that type of wrestling to go to this type of wrestling because these are way too different scenarios. A lot of people don't realize how different these two scenarios are. Yeah, it's (laughs) – I mean, I don't know. Like, Fox would always tell us – he always told me that, like, this is probably the easiest thing you'll ever do in your life. And the wrestling – like, the – the actual like wrestling aspect of it definitely the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. Mm-hmm. Now, like, and then oh, also yeah. like already being already have wrestled in in college and high school, and I mean even then you're still you're on a stage. Like in most cases, when you're in the mm-hmm. when you're on that mat, you're on a stage, and essentially you're putting on a show uh, for everybody watching. So you already kind of have the um, the performers like, uh, I don't know what to call it. Like, you're already a performer. It's just when you were performing before, yeah. it was you know, it was sh- it was a shoot. But like now, it's a work, and yeah. but you still, but I mean, you still got to compete in a way, not necessarily with your opponent, but with the other uh, acts on the card. But uh, I yeah. mean, it's, so um, I, w- I want to ask you. Um, so what was the most difficult thing from you going from collegiate wrestling to regular to the what we call the basic stepchild of professional wrestling? What was the biggest problem you had? Mine was, dude. Believe it or not, was showing expression. And I mean, when I was wearing a mask, there's only so many expressions you could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that that actually that actually was like a big thing for me because like in amateur wrestling, you're you're taught to keep your face down or whatever, so you can like so you can watch the guy's legs and, and watch his hips to see where he's going, um, and then so like and you're also taught in amateur wrestling that you can't like celebrate, like if you win a match, you just have to go shake their hand mm-hmm. and get on about your business because of the sportsmanship aspect of it. So. Um, learning yeah. how to like be more expressive so I can get the people why then also yeah. having to take my take my mind out of the competitors um, hold on having to take my mind out of that competitor's mindset um, to remember that this is not a shoot. This is a work. Yeah. You're not trying to ki- really kill this guy. You can, but you're not trying to. <laughs> Man, I remember. I oh my gosh, I remember. Like some guys would tell me, like you go in there thinking it's like a fight, but <laughs> not like a you're gonna kill the guy's fight. But you need to make the crowd believe that you just absolutely do not like this guy and go in there and just just put it on a show. And, I mean, it's easier more said than done. But, man, when you go in that ring, and I tell people all the time, like, it's a lot different from just practicing it to actually going mm-hmm. in a show and doing it. Because, man, let me tell you, it you can get so many different expressions out. You can get so many feelings out of that. Because it's like you can have one spot where it's like, okay, this is good. The crowd's into it. And then all of a sudden, it, they can die out just in, a, in a, just a drop of a dime. Like, it's crazy to believe how quick it is for our audience to change their volume in the matches. And we, and we, we pave ourselves to literally be like having the pops, the cheers, whatever. So 
I know you have had actually an experience. Have you ever been a baby face or you've always been a heel? I've, I started out as a baby face. Um, oh, you did. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I started out as a baby face. Um, and then what do you like? more? Uh, I'm pretty sure I know this answer. I don't know. I like, I'm kind of torn. I, I mean, I like being a baby face. Um, no, no, forget that. No, I like being a heel more. I was going because I've seen some of your promos as a heel, and, dude, you could just tell you were you in that promo. It's not like – because when I tell people all the time, it's harder to be a baby face than it is to be a heel because, literally, you have to have this crowd, regardless of how goody-two-shoes your character could be, like, obviously, me with an American mask and all that, hey, USA – Fans are going to like me regardless, but you have to show a feeling to it to make it different. And I could tell, man, you enjoyed just being a heel in, in, in some of your matches too, man, because you just seem more loose, fluent, and you know what you're doing. Like, obviously, in babyface mode, it, it can go different ways at it. I mean, there's there's so many ways you can only beg for the crowd to pop for you give you a little cheer, get you a little comeback, get your shine on or something out of that. So, obviously, anyone, I I never got to experience that. I would have always wanted to try to go heal. If I ever did come back, I don't know how I could have ever done anything with American Project as a heel, but that would always been something that I would have looked into was being a bad you would have to. You would have to do a gimmick to where you, like, it, it, you'd you'd have some major heat, but you'd have to like. Oh, oh, dude! You'd I was thinking get, you'd have to turn, like you'd have to turn on America in order to, oh, in order to be a hero. I was thinking of like trying to go like a like a type of CM Punk type scenario, like like a controversial character kind of. Like I would have kind of kept the mask gimmick a little bit, but it would not have been like. Actually, I would have been like that. Would have been the time I would have release the mask or whatever, and then that would just show the true me. If I ever done that, that's what that would have went ways. But we'll never know. But, hey, man, uh, that was I, – I could only imagine, like – so, man, I need to know. So what were some of your experiences? Because you have actually been in the ring with some very, very top guys out here. Um, well, I just wrestled – School is really good too, and I and I would always highly recommend the wrestling school that you trained at. Yeah, I've heard nothing but good things about it over there. I mean, Alabama was a heck of a trip for me, but <laughs> coming from Jacksonville, Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, I mean, well, yeah, I've been I've gotten to be in the ring with a lot of like really really talented people, like mm-hmm. like. Wrestling my trainer Fox, like that's like that, that's the most fun I think I'll ever have. Or anytime if I ever get to wrestle him again, um, that that's like one of the most fun matches you could have with somebody mm-hmm. because he's not like he's already over. Like he's already over. Like oh, he doesn't yeah. have to. He's not to get himself over. So he already like, knows where he's he, at in this business. Yeah. So like. No matter like where where you are, where, no matter where you're at, like in your wrestling journey, like if you if this is like your first match or your fiftieth match, he can make you look uh, like a million bucks. Like, mm-hmm. 
It's and it's effortless. It is literally effortless how he does it. Um, yeah, I just wrestled uh, Brian Pillman Jr. Uh, I Friday. To ask you about that? How was that? Um, I mean, it was cool being able to be in the ring with like another second generation wrestler because I did. I've wrestled Ben Buchanan before, and that's the other, only other mm-hmm. second generation guy I've wrestled. But I guess the only thing that I did not like was if you if if a booker if someone books you and mm-hmm. you see like on the card you're wrestling somebody named the Suplex Assassin, like you yeah. have to expect to be bumped. Take a suplex. <laughs> yeah, be able, take, be able to take a suplex and be able to take it at least three, maybe four times. Three, maybe mm-hmm. four. That's all I need. And they're not gonna and like there's only sometimes where they're back to back. Like if I throw like a like a three amigos or like a triple German spot yeah. in there, but majority of the time they're spaced out and I yeah. build them up. So like the first suplex may be like a, a, a belly to back or a, uh, or a vertical suplex, which in my book is like, is one of my weaker suplexes is just, you know, bam, it's something. Um, yeah. But when he told me that, he was only going to take one German in my finish. I was done. I was done. I was like, you know what? You this, this is... Yeah, he told me that. He's like, oh, I don't want to bump a whole lot. And I'm like, you, my, my literal gimmick is suplexing people. And I would imagine <laughs> that you knew this because Suplex we wrestled we wrestled before. He came to Pro South one time. We were in a tag team match, and I mean, we didn't do much. We just did a little big man spot um, mm-hmm. with some training and, and like a running spot. But it's like the match we had, like when 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 Adam the Booker told me that I was wrestling Pillman, like I'm expecting like this match is about to be a banger. This match is about yeah. to be firework. And the match that ended up being put together was Mad Basic and. Pretty much all of my ideas he shot down um, because I, I guess they were just too extreme. And this isn't AEW, so you know, uh, we're, I'm not gonna do anything with you, kid. It was just, yeah, yeah. Get, I get to a it's point even, like I understand, like you know, you're placing something, but it's like yeah. show the respect. Like I mean, you coming in there, you're getting booked. Yeah, I know it. In reality, Brian Pillman Jr. is probably not really well, well, well known like everybody is expecting him. Uh, wrestler-wise, we know him, but like fan, fan base-wise, unless if you're like heavily crazy on indie wrestling type scenario, you're not gonna really know that much about Brian Pillman. Jr. I mean, you yeah. know, obviously yeah. it's Brian Pillman's son, but I I've watched some of his matches and some of them. I mean, they're they're pretty interesting. I mean. But man, that, I know that had to really just kill the vibe because I know when you go in the show, where you thinking you're headlining it with somebody like him, you're expecting like, oh man, like this is a chance for me to step up and see where I where I'm at on the totem pole, and also and it actually helps you get more star power a little bit too. That's what a lot of people don't realize. It, wrestling, your character is basically your product. And you have yeah. to come out and sell this product. Like, you have to show what you are about. So, knowing that you are the suplex assassin, 
Dude, believe it or not, when I wrestle people, I love taking suplexes. And you know I'm not that big, so I'm flying all over the daggone ring. So, I mean, I used to love taking suplexes, which probably is one reason why I'm probably not fully wrestling anymore. But, <laughs> but hey, <laughs> there you go. But, I mean, I, that was one of the most easiest bumps in some ways. If you know how to just leap up and go, you shouldn't have nothing to really worry about. So that, I can understand, really would have ticked me off as well. Because, I mean, that's giving you a bad vibe. That's making you sound like you're unsafe or something. And it's like, you know what you're about. You know what your worth is. And obviously for him to come in a show that you are well known in, I mean, he should have gave you more respect on that. And, I mean, it that that's crazy because I was really wanting to know how that went. And that, that kind of obsessed me a little bit. That, that's how it went. But all, all around, was it still – a pretty good match. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was, it was still, it was still all right. I, I mean, like I said, it, I feel like it should have been more than what it was. But I mean, for what it was, it was all right. It was a basic match. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's. Uh, I'm probably gonna. Matches help too. <laughs> yeah, the body I'm probably gonna be salty <laughs> about it for a little bit. Um, it's just like, less like I guess I was I guess. I was kind of, I guess anybody that comes out of the A4 were kind of spoiled with Fox. Cause you think you want, like, I would like for like every vet to be like AR Fox. And AR Fox doesn't even yeah. act like, he doesn't even act like a vet. That's the thing. He doesn't act like a vet. Mm-hmm. He's not out here shitting, I mean, crapping on people and telling people that they're the drizzling, the drizzling shits and stuff like that. Like, he's always, he's always trying to encourage people and like, it pushed people to be their very best. And mm-hmm. like anytime he steps in the ring with somebody, he's not, he's trying to, he wants to get in whatever you want to get in and he's going to make it make sense. So if you want to get something in, you're going to get it in. And I wish more people, more uh, vets or more people that have been in the game for a long time had that mentality when they're wrestling younger, I mean, younger guys or guys that they have more star power than like let that dude go off like especially yeah. if you're going to control the match anyway let that dude go off and like i was telling my friends uh on like saturday i was like the when i become a name in this business i promise i will not be i will, no one no one that wrestled me will ever have this experience because mm-hmm. i was excited to wrestle him I cut. I did oh, a yeah. promo. I would doubt it, man. That's like a big. That's like a. That's even bigger than a payday for us. Like yeah. literally, you should be able to wrestle someone like that. That that's getting you out there. That's getting your name out there. And not even that, man. It's going to teach you the proper techniques to get higher in the rankings. And I mean, that's what that's what we should all thrive for. Because like, yeah, anyone can put on a match. Anyone can do this. But man, when you actually get to be on the show with somebody that's been on TV or something, which I've had, we've had, I've seen numerous of these experiences like this, man, believe it or not, but I've seen older guys like Rock and Roll Express, guys like this would give you a freaking sellout match. Like if you have to have suplexes or something, they'll be like, okay, we'll, we'll think of it in there, but they would still take one or two of them. Yeah. That's even the crazier part on that. Um, that's, that's uh, oh man, I, 
We need to get off that subject because we ain't going to try to make it seem like a burn crime film. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> he's, still, he's still a good dude. Like, he's still cool. Uh, he's still cool. I just did, The match just wasn't what I thought it would be. But he's yeah. still he's still. Cool. I mean, but I'm sure it was a pretty cool experience still. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. if you think about it in reality, YouTube-wise, YouTube match, whatever, you can put Alex Kane versus Brian Tillman Jr. And yep. that's still going to be a match that people are going to watch numerous more and more and more every single time. And knowing that how big the indie wrestling is getting now, in some way, bro, I, I, I might be wrong, but I'm actually – I think I'm very confident on saying this. I think indie wrestling is getting more publicity. And luckily with this COVID thing, because indie wrestling was starting to get way more knowledge than what we see the WWE – AEW stuff like that because indie wrestling was really proving that hey man we're here too and like we're showing y'all just as much what they can do we might not be having packed crowds like ten to fifteen thousand people in the shows but we're still giving shows every single week and and I sucked when that COVID thing happened on that scenario just for those things but I'm glad it's slowly come up and running. I know some areas are still a little iffy on some things. I know Florida is starting to run their shows again. Uh, have you been out in Florida at all? Uh, no, not since uh, not since uh, COVID. Uh, Florida, is, uh, Florida's a wild, wild place, and uh, I'm not trying to get wrapped up. In <laughs> so, are you mainly staying in like the Alabama and Georgia area? Uh, yeah, Alabama, Georgia. Um, uh, this week, I'm actually going up to Indiana uh, uh, for a Dan Severn um, seminar and to also okay. uh, go to Paradigm Pro, um, okay. you know, show my face, see if somebody hey, There you go, man. That's, 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 that's all you can do. Um, so, like you just said, Dan Severn, um, what are some uh, – dead gum out, just went blank on it. What were some of those uh, shows that you've actually went and just to go see some of these guys and literally just want to study and learn from? So how many of those have you actually went to? I've went to two that I know of when I was wrestling. (laughs) Shows to just go and just, like, see. um, I mean, we used to go, like, when Evolve was still running, we'd always used to go with Fox to Evolve. And I mean to see the mm-hmm. guys that are now are now getting signed to WWE, and um, I think AEW, <laughs> like to be around that caliber of talent was always awesome. And they were all like everybody that was at these Evolve events were all really really cool dudes. Um, I mean mm-hmm. it, it was probably a plus because we were Fox's students, um, and you know. Uh, just getting to, I mean, I didn't necessarily get to like pick their brains too much. Cause like, I, I'm not one to like bother people when they're like, when they're in that work environment, but like mm-hmm. getting to hear like Tommaso Ciampa sometimes when he's like giving people advice, um, just being able to be like a fly on the wall was, oh, uh, yeah. was definitely awesome to get to hear from people hear from, you know, talent like that. Um, it makes you appreciate what you're doing more. Yeah, I mean, sometimes it – I mean, we can be real on this. It is really tough to be an independent wrestler. And a lot of people could say a lot of things about jobs and stuff when it comes to this. But, man, indie wrestling, you put so much on 
for very little at first. And people don't realize you're not making forty, fifty thousand dollars when you first start doing this. So I do want to take a step back a little bit, but so you said you always wanted to be stone cold, correct? Yep. Okay. So when you first found out you were gonna have your first show as a as a professional wrestler, what what was the building like and what kind of experience did you so the first match that I had, um, it was like, so the WWE four, we do Thursday night shows. So like we can all, mm-hmm. so like the students can get used to working a live crowd. Um, so my first mm-hmm. match was against Fox actually. Um, oh, wow. and I mean, the match was, the match was fun. I was still, I mean, I hate when people say this, but green and I'm still green. Yeah. So now oh, yeah. Green. Oh, oh my gosh. Those are like fight words in wrestling. <laughs> yeah. But um so like I was still I'd still get so like I still get nervous now, but I was like nervous like like bad. And so I'd be mm-hmm. like forgetting stuff or like forgetting spots and stuff like that. Um and like but like when I hear when I heard the music playing my entry whatever my entrance music was and I finally stepped to the curtain, like like all that, all the, like the jitters and stuff went away, and it was just, it was like, bam, I'm here to perform. Like, I'm here to put on a show. And like, mm-hmm. I just kind of had to not worry so much about, um, worry so much about if I'm going to forget something or not. Because I mean, I have the instincts of an actual combat sports athlete. So if anything happens, I'm not going to look stupid. I'm just going to fall back on my instincts. Um, mm-hmm. but it was it, that match was funny because there was like a swerve finish that I didn't know about. Um, but I hit my finisher on Fox, and the ref was counting one, two. Then he gets up and he he smokes me in the head. He's like, "That's my trainer," or whatever, and they both beat me up. Um, but it was it it was fun. <laughs> oh man, I can only imagine getting to wrestle AR Fox. I mean that. I remember when I first met you, and I met a couple of y'all guys, and I found out that that's who y'all were trained by and stuff. I mean, my good friend Logan Stevens uh, was telling me about just great things about it. I know with Shane Marks, I mean, just seeing the stuff that he's doing now, that's, that's awesome. Um, do y'all still basically travel in packs, or are y'all just kind of like separately going all over the areas? Um, I'm, I definitely try – I mean – I mainly travel by myself, um, but I'm mm-hmm. trying to get more of the guys that are at the school out more. Um, now that I kind of like have, now that I kind of have a, like a chance to do that for them. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so whenever I can, I try to get guys to come with me um, to the show that I'm going to. Um, I mean, I never promised them anything, but I mean, it's, it's all like being able, just being able to be there with a booker and, and stuff like that. And with the talent and being able to watch, um, there's always so much you can learn and you never know that. I mean, I always tell them, bring your gear. Cause like, you never know, like somebody could not show up and boom, oh, yeah. there's your spot. Have you ever had that experience? Oh, I had it twice. I had it twice. <laughs> I've had it. I had it. Yeah, I had it one time. Um, I think it was at uh, 
can't remember. It was I can't remember what it was. It was a it was a promotion like in my hometown, and somebody mm-hmm. told me to show up, um, and I showed up, and I got to talking with the with the booker, and he was like, "You got your gear?" I'm like, "Heck yeah, I got my gear or whatever." And I had a I had a match there that night, and I was like, "Yeah, this is pretty cool." Um, yeah, that was my, that was my only experience of of bringing my of bring ha- showing up somewhere, having my gear, and actually getting a spot. Yeah. I mean, yeah, people don't realize that. I mean, I got caught off guard really bad the first time. The second time, I was well prepared for it. But first time, I was still, like, maybe a year in. And it was just like, he, he kind of joked around with me. The booker I mean, the booker was sitting there talking to me. He was like, you might do security. I might actually have you wrestle in the match. And I thought it was a joke at first. And luckily, I had my gear. I didn't have it fully, but... We did something out of it, and they just put me in a battle royal. But, I mean, I at least got to be in the show. And it was pretty cool. Like, literally, my very first experience basically in front of a crowd type scenario was actually in a battle royal. So that was pretty cool on something. You don't really learn much in a battle royal. At least you learn, hey, <laughs> you no, can get you yourself out there and not be scared. Royal. You just get your shit in. Like, literally, when you count – exactly. Like, literally, when you count matches – I never counted battle royals. <laughs> like it's just like it's there. <laughs> it happened. It definitely happened. But... I do it for a rumble type scenario. I mean, I've always been a WWE guy, so I, that was one of my favorite things. I wish we could have always done in some of the wrestling things that I've done is like I always wish I could have done a world one. And I mean, just to have that moment where your own entrance comes out, that time comes out a little bit, which. Obviously, in the independent circuit, it wouldn't be as so great modern like what we're thinking right now. So it's like it would have been like, yeah, probably there's a reason why. <laughs> but man, so with you being in the business that you've been in for for a while now, so what is some experience now that you you know now compared to what you what you were trying to figure out? Um, hmm. I guess like when I first, when I first started, like my biggest thing was like match structure, um, mm-hmm. and like how to like put a match together and then like where to put things. Um, now it's like, now... and like, it's also like mm-hmm. being able to like, Maybe one match. If I sometimes like, especially when I'm a heel. Like, um, when you really think about wrestling, and this is gonna sound, I guess it's gonna sound shitty, but like, nobody, no, the, the, I don't think the fans really care about the baby faces shine so much as they care about the baby faces faces comeback. Um, because the whole reason, the way, I guess, the way I see it, the whole reason why they're there to see the baby face. And the heel go at it is to see the baby face get his ass kicked yeah. and to see if the baby I, face, I what the baby face is gonna do, uh, how how the baby face is gonna get. I, I, their, I'm I'm their back and forth on that, and I love how you um, just mentioned that. Uh, I remember when the, that was the biggest thing that when I used to wrestle my one of my good friend Weston McRoberts, uh, less fortunate. One thing I always tried to figure out was like when we do our matches because dude, man, we went straight stiff. Like we we would go stiff in front of six people. So, but um, 
literally was the biggest thing I was always trying to figure out was like, is it really a matter of me getting my shine or the comeback? And when you watch the mat, when I kept watching my mat and watching the matches, I used to always hate watching matches, but I mean, I would always want to study and just figure out what I can always improve on. And um, the biggest thing I would know, the crowd would really feed into a comeback, but you have to have a very good reason for that crowd to invest in that type of scenario to get behind you in that way. Uh, and I, and I definitely agree with you. It's basically like with my character, I was basically, and I always use the terminology. I was the Rocky Balboa of wrestling. You would see me get my ass whooped. And literally mm-hmm. at the very end, I find a way to prevail. And that's what I think. I love how you just use that analogy on some things. I think that's what, I think that's how it tells a story and tells a character to be like, if you never met this person, you've never seen this person, but man, you just cannot believe how many suplexes this guy just took. How many DDTs this guy just had. Like this dude literally got his ass whooped, but he come out of nowhere and just literally, I always made it real big deal. If I was going to, if I was going to go over or something like that, I already knew it. I told the guy, in the back, I was like, we didn't really go over the matches. We, I just basically said, we'll call it in a ring, but if I'm going over, just beat the living hell out. And literally at the end, I'll call it when it's time for me to hit the finisher and we'll just call it out. But man, when you see that with the story where they just keep beating on the baby face, just beating them, I don't really necessarily believe in a shine. I just believe there's a little bit of resiliency. Like basically, if you're getting put down and they're punching you, whatever, you still at least get one or two punches. And just keep going. Regardless, that's the only thing. Yeah, you got to have – Exactly. That, have, that's like giving the them a, a chance to be like, oh, my gosh, like maybe this is the moment or something. It, it kind of it kind of makes a suspenseful feeling for them. Because wrestling, we're we going to be real about it, man. I mean, you and me both have done this. It's very easy predicted in so many ways. So – Indie wrestling, what I would use compares to be a little bit different than WWE and than everything else is because we try to make it less predictable. Like, literally, you have to literally go in there. If you're losing or winning, regardless, you got to make this crowd believe you're going to win. You have to make this crowd believe that you have a chance. Like, I used to love the matches where you would have David versus Goliath type of and obviously, nine times out of ten, probably the babyface wasn't going mm-hmm. to that. But when they do, it had a meaning towards it. And, I mean, it, it had told a major story in there. And I, and I love how you use that because I just feel like if you're just able to just get one punch, and if that's the only thing you could get in the match, I guarantee that match will be more over than the guy that was doing a 350, a 360 flip and all that. And that's one thing I – I wish I would have realized so early in my career at the time was just less is more. And I mean, I had to learn it very at the very end of my cha- my critique in the wrestling stuff, but man, it it's easier more said than done, man. Because like literally if you just see a baby face, maybe get punches and that's really the only thing they're getting, maybe run a rope and get you with one clothesline. That's still telling more of a story than, Two guys just basically playing gymnasts in a match. Like it, it's crazy to believe on so many things, and I and I love how you use that because that could tell 
that tells you right there you know this business. You know what wrestling is about. And I think so many people don't realize that. I mean, yes, obviously everyone wants to get something in the match, regardless if it's a wash or whatever. You want to try to get 50 mm-hmm. And I always told the guy that was in the ring with me, you let you, I'll, I'll do anything that you want to do as long as you at least give me the respect back. And, and nine times out of ten, I would usually let the person beat the living dog piss out of me. Like, I don't like cussing much, but I mean, there is no way else to put that. <laughs> we almost had a chance to square up a little bit. I, I remember yeah, my I, very last match, believe it or not, Alex. Was that junior heavy, uh, junior heavyweight title that we were that we were all in that gauntlet match for against Logan Stevens at Albany, Georgia, and that was a pretty cool thing. Like I and I and I could tell like literally how well everyone is in that match. How every and I mean it was it was a cluster. Like these matches in general can be very bad. In on card sometimes because it can either be because one the guy that's probably winning is going to be very dead tired by the time it's over <laughs> and I mean it could go either yeah. way and I mean obviously our match did re- go really well and stuff like that and it was really awesome to see my buddy Logan finally get something as a big recognition that he got out of it and man what a great thing that he done with it for so long um so tell me, so what were some of the matches that you will remember the most when it comes to like a storytelling wise and that you learned totally so much out of it? Um I don't know. I don't know. Like it's really just recently it's been like I guess like the whole storytelling aspect of wrestling is is uh is kind of, I guess, newish to me, that? if that makes sense. Because, uh, like, so, like, in the beginning of my career, which is only, like, a year ago, or two, two years, I guess, um, but it was less, for me, it was less about, like, I guess, storytelling, as in, like, we're trying mm-hmm. to, like, sell this narrative, and it was more of, how can we how can we make this mm-hmm. look like a fight as much of a fight as possible um and then let the story be right. told through our actions um so i mean now wrestling more shows and being in the south you got to mm-hmm. learn how you know to tell the story um but i guess my favorite my favorite like little feud, like little storyline that I've been in was actually at the A the WWA four. Um I was the internet champion and I, I think I just won the belt and I got into this feud with uh, a buddy of mine, uh 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 his name was Blake. Can't remember his last Blake Waits. Blake Waits, yes, Blake Waits. That is his name. I haven't seen him in a minute. Um, but we got into the storyline um, where, like, he wanted he wanted a shot, um, and I was basically like, "Yo, you're not worthy of it," you know, like, like, mm-hmm. why, like, why would I give you a shot? Um, but he kept 
he kept testing me. So he kept testing me. So essentially, I beat the crap out of him um, to the point to where he kind of forgot who he was. And he had to mm-hmm. take it to another level um, to, com- to be able to compete with me. So he came up with this character. Um, uh, what was the character's name? It, he literally came up with it. And then like a week later, the fiend came out. But I can't remember what he called the character. The Prowler. He called it the Prowler. Uh, so like an inner demon version of himself. And then for weeks, for weeks on, yeah, it's like an inner de- like an inner demon. Like I brought that out of him. Um, so then he would terrorize me as a prowler, um, for like weeks leading up to our big show. Um, and then the match that we had was is re- like it's on it's on my YouTube, but it was really fun. Um, because like we had we we we. We had those like callbacks to stuff that happened like previous in our little storyline or whatever. Um, we also had we had a lightsaber battle in the middle of it, which was that was probably the most fun <laughs> moment I've ever had in wrestling. Still, um, but it was just a dope match just to have. Um, that's definitely probably the match, and that's like when that's really when I learned like mm-hmm. how to be a heel. Um, I mean, I feel like being a heel comes natural to me, but it's really how I like learned how to mm-hmm. be one in professional wrestling. Um, because I guess what work, I guess being a heel works well for me because in real life I'm a nice I think guy. All heels are. Um, <laughs> in some cases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I feel like I feel like what whatever you are opposite, like your opposite is probably like the best way. To like have your like to I guess go about having a character. So if you're a if you're a dick in real life, you're probably gonna be a dope baby face. If you're really really nice in real life, then you're probably gonna be an awesome. Man, I got the whole outfit. I was completely the baby face. I just probably, don't probably one of the most genuine guys outside of wrestling too. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like for me, as far as being a heel goes, like I don't. I don't necessarily subscribe to like, I guess traditional heel things like, um, because like most crowds that I most crowds that I encounter as a heel, at some point somebody mm-hmm. in that crowd is going to cheer me. They're going to cheer me. It's going to happen. Um, I think it just comes with my gimmick. But like, I try not to like. I hate when heels. I hate when I hate when you're wrestling a guy and it's his first time at the show and they met. They, he's a heel and he comes out. And he's yelling, screaming, cussing, saying, I don't like you, this, that, and the third, or whatever. Mm-hmm. But nobody knows who you are. They don't know who you are. So you coming out there being a dick off from jump mm-hmm. is not going to get you over. But I like, anytime I get, anytime I go somewhere and I'm a heel and it's the first time I've been there, I like to come out like I'm a baby face. And then, so it, so, when the match starts, it seems like mm-hmm. it's about to be baby, baby. But then yeah, you have, um, yeah, it seems it's about to be baby, baby. But then when that moment comes to where, like, I get pissed off or frustrated or whatever, I do something dirty, it's like, oh, snap. Yo, he's the bad so you're guy. You're kind of like that mutual feel in ways. So you're kind of that borderline baby, but also yeah. just kind of like, 
I I kind of compare him to WWE characters. Probably like Samoa Joe type scenarios. I, yeah. I always I've always seen some of your matches, I, and I, I would always go. I, I wouldn't say I'm not that. gonna joke around with you. I remember when I first met you, I was like, man, you give me that Big E vibe so much. But it was like yeah. Big E slash Shelton Benjamin. Yeah. But the way you wrestled in the ring, man, it was kind of like Samoa Joe. Just that straight brawler guy. And I mean, it, and, and just obviously you could work a technician like quick. And it was like, wow, like this guy could go. And like some people didn't realize like, man, you might not have been that tall, but dude, yeah, you got some size on you, and man, you could move. And I and I was like, man, when I first told Logan, I was like, dang, this dude could go. And Logan's like, yeah, no. <laughs> but um, I, I want to know. Uh, that that's really awesome to say. Um, actually, we're gonna go on with this one. Uh, do you feel like that's kind of killing the wrestling scene in ways too? Because we got the stereotypical heels that just go out there and just be playing out obnoxious in front of the crowds. Do you feel like that's helping the crowd go, eh, you're not that bad or just you're trying too hard? Oh. It's kind of like the baby, oh. say like a baby face going out there and begging for the crowd to cheer for them. I used to absolutely hate that crap to no end. Like I remember when – I had my match with Les at the time, and he would tell me, he's like, you will know when, you, when you've made it when you don't even have to say anything, and the crowd just says it for you. And, man, like, when it happened, I was just like, wow, this is what that feels like. I feel like that with heels, man, is just overdone. Like, there's only so many matches on a card that a heel can just go out there and scream at crowds. And it's like, I love how you use that terminology. It's like you come out there basically kind of like a baby, but when you get in the match, they piss you off. Then you, then the real Alex Kane comes out. The real suplex assassin comes out. And just the real pissed off guy that you don't need to mess with. Like that's one bad mother you don't need to be near type scenario. So that, that right there tells a major story to a character. And it actually makes you more of a different heel than the – than the actual natural heels that we just come out there, flick a bird or just sit there and go boo you all oh, this place stinks and stuff like that, which I always wanted to do that in ways, but I was just like, yeah, I kind of, I got a good thing with my character. I don't want to mess it up. <laughs> Cause at that time, it's like, just hard me- when you first have that character and the crowd is so invested into you. And then you're at that point, it's like, man, this is getting still boring. But the crowd still loves you. So it's like, obviously, you can't leave that character in ways. No, that is when you leave it. That is when you turn. Because that is when you're going to get the biggest and best reaction. If you would have turned when they were, like, when it started to feel like it was getting stale and you turned it, you would have, oh, you, that would have been money for you. Um, but, like, for me, I try. I don't try to like like I don't try to be like of like the other heels or whatever. I I necess- like when I'm in there like I try to have as much fun with it as possible. So if there's if the crowd is yelling at me or saying whatever like I'll make a joke about the person that's yelling at me or whatever. Like I'm not going to be like oh you oh I suck oh you suck like no that that's corny. So um but so uh, like I'm also I I 
my character, the way that I've I kind of crafted my character as a heel is I'm gonna do what it is that mm-hmm. I want when I want to do it. Kind like kind kind of like Steve Austin a little bit, but not not as not as Steve Austin. I don't know if, if anybody would be as I got a Mark Steve Henry vibe with Austin. that type of attitude. But like Yeah, that yeah, Mark Henry too. Like Okay, if you like me, cool. You don't like me, cool. Like, I mean, I'm still getting, I'm still being able to beat the crap out of this guy, and I'm getting paid <laughs> to do it. Like, hate me if you want to. You you want to be me. That's yeah. what you want. You want I, to be. I me. like that. I mean, I, I don't know. Like, I've always thought there's also there could be more outlets for heels in some ways, and I wish. Some of those guys would realize in some ways is just come out there and try to be different because we we all sit here and go, why are we not in WWE? Why are we not on AEW? What can what can we do to stand out to get there compared to all the other guys out there? And I think that would be a major key right there. Come out there and show something different. Obviously, you can just sit here and scream at people. Like you can scream at crowd any day of the week, but yeah, what's like, that really going to do for you? I feel like heels and baby face. You have like if you're going to be a heel, and you're going to be all angry, and you're going to be all pouting and 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 like and like scowling or whatever. You have to have a reason to be that way. You can't just you can't just come out the first time and be yelling at people. Like there has to be a mm-hmm. reason for you to be a heel. There has to be a reason. There has to be some kind of story behind it. For you to be a baby face, um, I mean, even there, you have to be some reason behind why you're the good guy. Like, why are you the good guy? Not just because you're getting the crap beat out of you, because you're just getting the crap beat out of you. You could just suck (laughs) at fighting. I've had that talk with some guys, too, man. Because I remember some guys, when they were first started, they were like, as a baby face, does that mean I'm just going to get beat up all the time? Like, no. You need to show the crowd why they need to like you. You can be a cool baby. Literally, you don't need. You don't have to be the cookie cutter uh, baby face. You can be a cool baby face. Like when I'm a baby face, I still have some of my heel, my heelish antics in what I do. Um, It's not just full blown like, oh yeah, I love the kids or whatever. Like I mean, I I mean yeah, but like I still try to keep some of that cool heel. Like in how I move and how mm-hmm. I go about my business. I, I used to love guys that can do that, like the mutual feeling. And I mean, it, it it'll take you a longer way. Like, look at some guys, Kevin Owens, and that's that's one reason why that guy was so damn popular is because he could go both ways. Like, you wouldn't know if he was a good guy or a bad guy because it was just like he come out there the same. And that's one thing I feel like was so different with Stone Cold, which. I'm sorry, bro, but no one's probably ever going to be like Stone Cold. And literally, I think in ways, if anyone else ever did his character, I don't think it would win as well. And, I mean, it's it's just those characters that literally stand out. It's something that can't be recreated. You can't recreate that. I mean, we sit here and talk about, like, we could do so many moves compared to these guys and stuff, man. When The Rock and Austin, when Ro- Austin was stunning Steve Austin, when The Rock was Rocky Maivia, or Flex Kavana, which newsflash, people, he wrestled in the Indies. And people don't realize that. They would go, oh, you just mean Rocky Maivia. No, 
Flex Kavana. And I mean, that guy, man, if you haven't watched any of his matches, like the dude could work. Like, oh my goodness. Like, I've never imagined seeing The Rock on a freaking top rope as much as he was when he was Flex Kavana. And it's like, when you see these characters and you see these guys that literally went from ground up to what they were, to literally, I feel like the Babe Ruth and, <laughs> and Michael Jordan right now of wrestling. Like, I don't think anyone really can captivate their character as much as those two guys. And especially with that year, those two guys made a whole new era for wrestling. I mean, we have so many different partial things, but I say right now, till this day, Rock and Austin have solidified wrestling to literally have a standard that no one I feel like is ever going to top in ways. And most I definitely. Mean, like even even today, like when people talk about professional wrestling, they still bring up the rock and Austin. And like the craziest thing is for them is they didn't do it. Like the rock and the the rock, Triple H, Undertaker, they didn't exactly. they had four moves. They literally had four moves. They had four moves. Everything else was punches. Punches and sometimes chops and just other like filler, like mm-hmm. bull bullshit. Um like it wasn't like we're gonna I mean, and they there's a lot of whips in there, which you won't catch me whipping anybody off for anything. Um, but that's uh that's another story <laughs> for another day. Um but yeah, they only had like they only had four moves. It was just the timing that um, they did on these moves. And that's yeah, one thing. Yeah, their timing was impeccable, and then their characters exactly. were on point. And like they had, and I don't know how many guys could get that, over on a T-shirt. I don't know if it's. Like, I, don't know if it's I just say this: How many guys could get over saying one word and it be on a T-shirt the next week and sell out, saying "Cookie Puss" or something like that type of scenario? Like literally, just saying the basic word "what." That is still very big in wrestling till this day because Stone Cold said it. And literally, The Rock, it doesn't matter. Like, that still to this day, The Rock, his shirt right now probably still sells as almost as John Cena. All these guys that we watch now, it's it's just crazy on some of these things. Like, we see, I think wrestling has changed so much. I do want to get with you on this part. So what do you feel about the wrestling now compared to what it was back then? Do you feel like the wrestling would be better if it was back to the old school basic wrestling scenario? Or do you feel like it's the theatric, the moves or everything like that? Do you feel like that now is basically going to be wrestling until whenever they decide to change it again? I feel like wrestling how it is right now is the best it's ever been. And I say that because there are more, there's more athletic ability in wrestling now than there ever has been. The only thing is, is that more guys have to get into the mindset of how to make this make sense. Like if this, like Fox always tells us when you're putting together your match matches or whatever, Think about if you were in a fight, if you were in a fight and, you know, you had a wrestling, you were in a wrestling ring, you were in a fight, though, like how how you would how you would go about to try to win that fight. Um, 
and I feel like that's what wrestling matches should be. It's a, it's a, I mean, it's, it's a, it's simula, it's a simulated fight, simulated violence. Um, but you can do all your flips and stuff. You just have to make, you just have to put no. them in the right spot to where they make sense. Just doing a 450 to do it for the sake of having a pop because you did a 450 mm-hmm. is stupid because that's a risk. And if you're in a fight, you jumping off of something is a risk. So, and even if it's a calculated risk, it's still a risk. So you have to put it, you have to put it, you have to put it somewhere where, okay, I got this guy beat. He's down and out. I just hit a big move on him. Bam. I can go up here and I can take this risk because um, it's probably going to pay off for me. But like, it's, gonna be the, it's what I call like the if you, spot. Like literally the crowd, it's in awe. Like even if, if you put it at the right time, the crowd is going to be blown away regardless if you make it or what. So when it goes to that one, two, and the ref almost hits three and the guy kicks out, the, the building will shoot off because you told a story with that. I, it, I can't say that anymore because, like, I've seen it so much now. It's like when you do that, you should always have a two count. You should never have a flip bump or any type of spot and you only get a one count. That just showed that you just basically killed your move. And people don't realize that type of scenario in so many ways because I feel like that's where I feel where the wrestling gets to the deteriorating part in that scenario because of stuff like that. But I totally agree with you. And I tell people all this day, like, I see everybody sharing on their Facebook and stuff going like, man, wrestling used to be like this, and they always show The Rock and Austin. I mean, I, I always see it every time just because of how, how the feeling of like, And believe it or not, man, their in, promo videos were the one that got them in the over. Rock and Austin, in ways. In the Rock and Austin era, it was the world, like the whole world was different. It was, well, it was, it was uh, pre 9 11. The world was completely different. Um, and like, I mean, the world still had its like, it, it's, it's crappy parts, but the world was different. The world is, and now, uh, post 9 11, the world is very different. So there's things, there's things that you can't, like, there's things that, the Rock and Triple H and all them they got away with that you couldn't oh, yeah, get away no with doubt. today. I don't think and, they would have done uh, well with an empty. A lot building. of that is because, yeah, a lot of that I think is because I don't. WWE is a publicly traded mm-hmm. company now, so or most of these companies are publicly traded. Um, they have investors. They have um, uh, they have people basically telling them like this is. This is what you can put on television. If you don't put this on television, you try to put something else on television, or we'll mm-hmm. pull the plug. So I think like I think Triple H and and I think and even Vince McMahon, they want to do some of this more risque stuff because it's what worked for them back oh, yeah. back in the day, but they can't because it's gonna mess oh, with yeah. the money. I feel like with the um, the fan base and, right now. I mean, not not only the fan base, it's anyone in general. Like, you, you could probably just not really watch wrestling and see a little video, and it could possibly offend somebody. And that just kills WWE's ratings. That kills their publicity. I mean, it, it, it will really harm them. Everybody keeps talking about, oh, yeah, the Attitude Era was so great. Yeah, but there was also some things in the Attitude Era that in this generation would never go through. And 
like some things because I mean some like storylines with the nation that they used to do with the nation and people never felt took offense to it and now it would have been like World War Three type scenario you know what I mean like some matches like that. I the mean I feel like some of the storylines get cut off and stuff like like you couldn't have that in this generation. <laughs> I think some of the storylines with the nation and stuff like that, like people probably did take offense to it, but at the time you didn't have yeah. social media. And social media, social media is actually the thing that really changed wrestling, some for the better and mm-hmm. for the worse. Um, because if we would have had Facebook, Twitter, Instagram during the Attitude Era, the Attitude Era would not have lasted totally as long as it did. It would that they would have it would have been the first first episode of the Attitude Era and it would have been done that night. I totally agree with you on that. But because you can I mean I I mean I know some people get mad about like how sensitive people are now and I think that people are more sensitive now because everything's yeah. in your face. You know you know so, the backstory. You know so, everything that's going on. And yeah so I but I also I can see that I mean, it kind of it kind of needs to be the way that it is, um, because like I don't want to give anybody license to blatantly be disrespectful or misogynistic or homophobic or transphobic or anything like that to somebody because they feel like they can because they feel like they can get away with it. Like the world, like the world's gonna the world's gonna I mean the world's gonna keep changing. Things are gonna become more politically correct like these are these are things you cannot yeah. stop um um and you just kind of have to you just kind of have to find a way to you just got to keep striving to be a mm-hmm. good person or a better person than you were the, the the day before um and i feel like social media now with how wrestling is it's exposing a mm-hmm. lot of people who aren't genuine or good people and they may be mad or they may be sad about how they're getting exposed or how people are getting canceled. But if you, if people would just learn to respect one another, no matter what, no matter what their background is, what they look like, where they come from, if everybody would just respect each other as a, as human beings. Um, I mean, there are, there, there are exceptions like Nazis and stuff. Forget those guys. Those guys suck. Um, they get no respect. But just like, like, like genuine, like decent people. If everybody could show genuine, decent people respect, um, we wouldn't have to worry about people being canceled. We wouldn't have to worry about people being PC. We wouldn't have to worry about like triggering somebody or offending somebody because you wouldn't blatantly or just outright say this to this person or around this person. Um, you know. And like, not care about like how this person would feel about it, because that's like another thing. Like, people have to remember that, yeah, everybody wants to be tough, but in the grand scheme of things, we all have feelings. Like, there's and there and there's there's always a there's always a threshold of what's gonna hurt uh-huh. that person's feelings, and that's what people have to remember. Like, that's why you can't be like. You, you can't be a a, ding, a dingle ball or whatever and like just like outright offend people because it's your it's your rat it's my rat to offend yeah. you 
Like, no, it's not. Hey, man, let me just tell you this, man. You just you just laid off the biggest babyface promo on Buzzing with Marlo. <laughs> <laughs> you made history. <laughs> Making history real. Right, man, I want to finish. finish it off with this, buddy. Um, so what does the future hold for Alex Kane? Alex Kane, the future holds for Alex Kane. Alex Kane will be signed to somebody's company. I don't know who. It could be WWE. It could be AEW. It could be ROH. It could be Impact Wrestling. I don't know. It could be any one of those. Any one of those four. Maybe I go to Japan. Who does? Who knows? I will be signed to somebody's company. I will make a living off of this business and I will do it comfortably and I will put on awesome matches until I can't anymore. But for the immediate future, uh, November 13th, I will be at Action Wrestling in Tyrone, Georgia. And then on November 14th, I will be at uh, Anarchy Wrestling in Cover. No, at the Landmark Arena. Yeah. There you go, man. So, Alex Kane, I appreciate you doing this with me, man. It's been long overdue, and I know it's been a while since we have talked, but man, I'm so proud of you. And keep doing what you're doing, man. You definitely, you definitely proven why you want to do this. And man, I I look forward to watching you uh, every other every week because I think you wrestle on some shows on YouTube now all the time, and I've seen some of them, man. Good stuff. That's all I'm going to say. Good stuff, and keep doing what you're doing. And I heard you say it, man. Regardless, where are you going? I already said that when I first met you. You're going there. And it's just only a matter of time. So, Alex Kane, you want to plug in your social media and everything and just let the fans know who you are? Uh, on, on Instagram, I'm Suplex Assassin. On Twitter, um. I'm Alex Kane 11, 14. I don't know. It's Alex Kane. You can type in the Suplex Assassin on the Twitter too. You'll find me. I'm only Suplex Assassin in wrestling today. Um, don't find me on Facebook. I've got way too many friend requests and I'm not, I'm, I'm not accepting yeah. it. It gets to be a hassle. <laughs> Facebook is a real struggle. <laughs> but Alex Kane, I appreciate you doing this with me today, man. I hope you have a good night. And man, keep doing it. I'll definitely have to talk to you down the road. Definitely, definitely. Thank you for having me on. All right, time to get the go-home cue. First and foremost, I would like to thank Alex Kane for coming on here today. And just a great chat, man. It was awesome. I told y'all I was going to bring some wrestling back up to his par, man. And, man, I don't think we disappointed. Alex came out here, and we had just a blast. We shot the breeze. We had some fun, and man, it was good to catch up with him. We haven't talked since that mat, that night. Yeah, since that night. And um, I mean, it was. I'm so proud of him, all those guys in Alabama, all the guys that are trained by Air Fox. Um, just any independent wrestling in general, like y'all don't realize how effective COVID was for so many people because like i said man there's some people that this is their full-time gig this is their job uh and um it was taken from them and i mean what would a good thing also to take a break uh let their body heal and get prepared and now i feel like is making 
independent wrestling elevate even more now. Now that wrestling is starting to come back, shows are starting to be made. Uh, there's COVID protocols apparently have got to be done, but now wrestling I feel like is back on the right track and really watch out. That's all I'm gonna really say on it because these guys are coming in here doing what they need to do and they are getting their stuff in. They are doing a great job. I also want to shout out to Hold My Beer Hansen on his debut at Southern Honor Wrestling. A good friend of mine. Uh, it was really cool to see his big anticipated debut, and he just currently wrestled his second match. was a pretty awesome thing to see on uh, YouTube, if y'all would check them out. Also, Alex Kane is also on that show as well. Not Southern on Wrestling, but one on YouTube that I'm talking about. But It's just really cool just to see independent wrestling back. It's really good to see all the brothers and sisters that I've basically have seen at shows, uh, work, work down roads and stuff like that. And it's just literally good to see everyone's able to start doing their job again, doing what they love. And I mean, I know I'm rambling a little bit, but I really appreciate Alex Kane just coming on, just having a good chat and just really spending some time with me on just going down memory lane. I don't know. It was really cool to do. So, all right, y'all. It is Friday. I hope everyone has a good day. Uh, it is now currently college playoff time. Uh, bowl game weekend. Uh, obviously, we see Florida versus Alabama. Uh, can Florida bounce back and knock the shoes off Alabama instead of throwing them? Uh, yeah, I had to throw that in there. That was pretty funny. But um, obviously, everybody knows I'm a Hurricane fan. We took a pretty rough loss to North Carolina. I'm not happy about the rankings because I feel like they're just is I get it, yeah, North Carolina beat us, but dang, like they we dropped big time. But obviously we got Clemson versus Notre Dame this weekend as well. Um my prediction on that, I got Clemson. Trevor Lawrence is back. There's no one beating Clemson right now. Uh Trevor Lawrence Number one draft pick going in the NFL. Like, yeah, that dude is a real deal. The dude is ready. And watch out. This guy is going to be a star in the NFL. So, those are my predictions on the two main games, the SEC and the ACC games, because really those are the only two divisions that I believe have really been playing all season. So, let's finish this off like we always do. Also, I want to finish off... I want to give a great shout out to iHeartRadio to giving us a great platform to give us more. Uh, let us have our content on their show, on their uh, website and stuff. So if y'all now can officially check out Buzzing with Marlo on iHeartRadio, now there's an also another platform for y'all to get to listen to my beautiful voice every single week. Uh, just so blessed and honored from this. Like I said, guys, I started this in April and it's so crazy to see how much this grows every single week, how much content gets put out, how many downloads get showed, how many plays I get every week. It is truly a blessing. I want to tell all y'all, thank y'all. Uh, I hope everyone has a great week, Ken, and have a, just a good time, man. Like we almost to Christmas. We're almost the end of 2020. With all this crazy stuff that's happened, 
Um, I currently just lost one of my great friends, Keith White. Uh, my condolences go out to his family, friends. I mean, it was great to just be able to catch up with so many people from regardless of the situation and stuff. It was just really cool to actually kind of like have a high school reunion in way for my good friend Keith. Uh, obviously, we have lost so many people in 2020. Uh, let's just all stay positive and just have the right mindset and we can get through this year. And hopefully 2021 will be the revamped year that we are all anticipating and looking forward to. So let's finish it off like we always do. I hope everyone washes his hands. Stay safe. Stay clean. Do what you got to do. Protect what you got. And I will be back when I have more bzzz down the road. Later.